0: You're listening to The Diceman Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Diceman Cometh! Well, you may not believe it. It is Thursday. And uh, here we are with three dice Men in the studio. Hey! Who would have thought it would happen again? Woot.
1: I, I thought it was going to. <laughs> Is there something you guys haven't told me? No,
0: no, no, no. It's just the Leon, you know, we hardly ever see him. And it's been such a busy two weeks. We've had, well, we've got Easter weekend coming up, then Anzac Day. And here in Australia, the election was called on the weekend. So everyone's madly... Try not to pay attention to anything that's happening in the election. (laughs) And you would think,
2: since it's been so long since I've been here, that I'd be bringing the absolute thunder this episode, wouldn't you? Mm. Oh my, am I a tired little boy. (laughs) (laughs) So anyone that's been like, oh, Leon's back, a bit more youthful enthusiasm as he's just turned 35 the other day. I was going to say, another
1: (laughs) thing that's happened in the last two weeks is you've aged horribly. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm nearly guaranteed to be at least halfway there by now. Actually, no, I'm a shift worker. I'm beyond halfway. What am I talking about? Yeah,
1: you're almost halfway to Mark by now. I was going to say, I'm not even halfway there.
0: (laughs) Anyway, we are here in the studio of Edge Radio for episode number... 328 of the Dice Men Cometh, where we love to talk about board games, card games, role playing games, all sorts of fun that can be had on, around, under or above a table with your bestest friends or in fact, with complete strangers. Correct. And so let's move away from 2022, the making of a Prime Minister or even demarcations of the election and Garth. What are we going to be talking about this evening? Well, tonight we are doing something that doesn't happen very
1: often mm. in the old Man Cometh world. We are dedicating one episode to one publisher, <gasps> and this publisher is our friend from across the ditch, Shill Mill Games, which was founded in 2011 and has produced a few games, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about three of them tonight. Mm. Probably the, the biggest game that they've released is Australia. Mate. Might, yep, uh, by Martin Wallace. But we already talked about that. We talked about it very, very extensively on maybe episode 200. 200. So go back and listen to that if you want a full in-depth. But Leon's going to talk us through a little bit of that again, for anyone who wasn't listening Mm -hmm. to episode 200, but more importantly about the Tasmania (gasps) expansion that has come out for that. The most important part. That's right. We're a little bit biased. Uh, Mark, you've got a game that... uh, we're actually playing the second edition of called Mm. Manifest. So if you like shipping ships or at least using them to ship things around the world, then Manifest could be the game for you. And I'm going to get a little bit more animalistic because I'm going to talk about a little kids game that they've produced called Komodo, mm. which has, again, been around for a little while. We got our hands on it as part of uh, a review copy box of, of goodness that was sent to us by the, the lovely team at Shilmer, and particularly I have to say thank you very much to Amanda Milne, who is just so good as a publisher. She's so quick to get back to us as reviewers, and she's so approachable and lovely, and thank you very much for providing these copies of the game. So that's what tonight's episode is all
0: about oh shill mill games spectacular mm, well there you go let's uh throw to a song because we've got so much to talk about and we'll come back in a moment hello everyone dice Men mark here with some very exciting news what would the dice men be without dice if you've played a game with us over the years, you may have scored some of our amazing custom dice. You can also get them when you sign up to support us on Patreon. Now, what better place to get our special custom dice than one of Australia's leading dice suppliers and longtime supporter of the show, Behold Games. Behold Games are suppliers of all sorts of amazing dice, including an incredible variety of polyhedral sets, as well as RPG, games and supplies, and of course, board games check out everything they have to offer including all the dice at beholdgames.com.au please consider supporting this brilliant little aussie retailer and its owner tina who is also the organizer of board game cruise australia as well as a fantastic person friend of the dice men and now also our official dice sponsor
1: Well, there you go. That was the band Mum and Dad. And you'll never guess the name of the song based on the lyrics, but it was the Temple of Mum and Dad. Woo! They are a Tassie band, and you are listening to the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Now, from one temple of Mum and Dad to potentially a different kind of temple. Leon. Yes? You are going to talk to us about
2: Australia. I thought you were talking about the fact that my body is a temple. <laughs> A very round one that's falling <laughs> apart rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> Temple Doom. Yes, indeed. So, Australia, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier, we spoke about at length on our 200th episode, the longest episode we have ever recorded about the very game Australia. But to give you kind of a quick refresher, Australia is a military slash economic slash adventure game for one to four players. It's a triple threat. Yes, mm. it is a triple threat. And in this game, you're doing... You're doing lots of different little things but the main thing you're going to be doing is trying to gather resources so you can kind of protect yourself and do well against the fact that it's australia which is a country that we love but cthulhu's rocked up (laughs) yeah and he's not too pleased about the fact that we're here no he's
1: not no but the only thing that we can do to stop him is is everyone's favorite action Build some train lines. Build
2: some railways. Apparently Cthulhu, not a big fan of the old railways. <laughs> you know, the original lady that was tied to the railway track, that was his mum. Oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> and he's back now with utter revenge in his heart. And we know Martin Wallace, it's funny, he has a bit of track history, oh dear. not only with trains, but did you know Martin Wallace has a bit of track history with Cthulhu? Really? He does, does. Does he know the old fella? No, <laughs> he's not that old. No. But um some of you may remember martin wallace's game based on the story sort of the sherlock Holmesy story that was then reinvented by neil gaiman a study in emerald and i in fact own that game and i've never played oh wow i actually did try to sell it once and i didn't get any good offers so i decided to keep it i really must get it to the table one day because it's a deck builder it's martin wallace it's neil gaiman it's got green in it, which is my favourite gaming colour. And it's got Cthulhu. Well, You couldn't ask more.
2: It's funny that you mention that, Mark. Because, yes, the story in this game of Australia... You could actually say that this is technically a sequel to a story in Emerald. A study in Emerald, mm. sorry. Because the story takes place in this game just after Sherlock Holmes and you know his fraternity of intrepid Victorian heroes mm. have... You know, given the old ones a bit of an old biff around the face after them being in power for 800 years. And the story in this game is that they put a little break, you know, when they were in charge of all humanity, from exploring everywhere. So they went, right, we're going to go off exploring now that Sherlock Holmes and his buddies have done stuff. Mm. And they've found this place called Australia, which I say found. There were people here already. <laughs> there were. Uh, anywho. Uh, and so... The reason that they kind of stopped the travel in the first place is because, you know, Cthulhu and all his buddies, they were kind of hanging out in the outback of Australia. Mm. And we've rocked up and we've discovered that. So we've built a port. We thought we're going to build some trains here. There's plenty of room for farming and whatnot. And then we moved in a little bit earlier, you know, into the middle of Australia. And much like in real Australia, we've done really well on the outside. We've (laughs) tried to move into the the middle and gone,
0: oh, oh, this is not good. But we're always tempted because... There's gold, there's iron ore, and there's all those fun things to dig up. We know they're out there. It's money for the taking. Yes. It's not often you hear a
2: Cthulhu game with farming, you know, cows and sheep and resource management of gold and ore and whatnot, but that's what you're doing in this game. You're literally doing everything that a person or a people would do in this situation. You've got to build up your military because there's giant squiggly evil tentacle things over there, but... You've still got to, you know, you've still got to have a farm as well. Well, exactly. You still got to feed everybody. Yeah. 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 And you're, you know, you, if you're going to have soldiers,
1: uh, and was it an army walks on its stomach? It does. Yes. So marches. you've got to make sure marches um, but-
0: armies don't walk anywhere. Sorry, yes, they do. They're the army. They're the walking ones. Right. No, You march or you double time. Hup, 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 hup. Yes. All the (laughs) hopping.
2: So, in this game, what you're going to be doing on your turn is various different actions. And actions in this game cost time. Mm. And when you spend time to do these various different actions, the person who goes next might not necessarily be the next person on the table. It might be you again, depending on how much time other people have played. So you've got to take that into consideration because you could get two turns in a row, which happens quite often when Leon puts his time on the wrong spot and goes, Oh, I don't get a turn for ages because people keep landing on top of me." (laughs) That happens quite a bit so as we uh, mentioned earlier the things you can do with this game are things like building railways which for two time build it normally everywhere at day one for three time you can build it over a hill it only takes one extra time to build it over a hill. Wow, slightly more up or down rail yeah you could mine which gives you some resources as you do you can take personality cards which gives you a good old aussie battler to help you do some good old aussie battling you can build some military equipment to help take down the squiggly things. You can trade various different resources or, as we've alluded to before, you can farm because farming is where you're going to get your money and then you'll be able to build more things to fight the squiggly things. And that's pretty much what you do in this game. You do that because you want to adventure into Australia as much as you possibly can because that's where the points are going to be to take out
0: these big old things and, you know, come out alive. And, Leon, you said one to four players, Me? so because there's a solo option it's usually one to four players playing against the game effectively so it's one of these horrid do you call it semi co-op where you're all trying to beat each other but at the same time you're also trying to beat the game which is Cthulhu but then there's this whole new option where one of you can be Cthulhu, not just Cthulhu. All of the old, all ones. of the Cthulhus, yes, the whole Cthulhu family, um, and play against the players. So th- there's a number of modes in this game, which I know that was one of the things we found really fascinating was the various different ways you can play it, but also that it was, it was sort of unlike any Martin Wallace game we'd we'd come across before, but also unlike any Cthulhu game. It's just. <laughs> It exists in the middle of a space where something shouldn't exist and sometimes it feels like maybe it shouldn't work but it did it worked really really well and we we talked about it so much and what Mark is alluding to is the expansion called
2: Revenge of the old ones mm. so that can actually make the base game of Australia up to five players you could play with four people and one person being the evil old ones or with the Tasmanian version that's just come out which is actually only normally a two-player variant of the game because Tasmania is a bit smaller than Australia if you didn't know <laughs> uh, but you can make that a three-player game which is what we did when when we played it the other night, mm. so which I think is very interesting. So what you do, Mark, you were the evil squigglies when we played our game. Well, no, naturally. Was, it, was it Garth? No, no Mark was, was the me, evil yes. Mark was the old one. Get <laughs> <it>? uh, <laughs> uh, just
0: for a change. We
2: haven't been... You know, banging that drum for 300-odd episodes at all. <laughs> so it adds various different things, but an extra layer of somebody at the table is that asymmetry that somebody else is doing something different. It also adds things the like an event card-type phase to the game, which, I mean, every board game in the world should have an event phase where you read out a card and something interesting happens, and this adds that to that, so it makes sense. <laughs>
1: well, what I really like about it is that in the normal game... You're pre-placing face down all the potential old ones, and it's completely random. Yeah, and there are old one cards that, when you flip them over as you discover them, they are just empty, and they're nothingness. Oh, Whereas with, with the the revenge of the old ones, the the Cthulhu revenge revengey old person, the Mark gets a little bit more agency on what he can place where Mm. so that it it allows the Cthulhu player to be really engaged. Because in the base game, essentially, it's a game of two halves. You're playing this sort of build-up resource management game for the first, I don't know, probably a third of the game or so. And then once you have used up, I believe, 20 time, that's when the Cthulhu um, automated player kicks into action in the normal version of the game, whereas in the Revenge of the Old Ones, the Cthulhu player starts on the same time as every other player, and and you're just forming part of the the, the turn sequence. So, it does really change the way that the game feels, and I think it's good to have a player option to go,
2: my victory condition is just destroying all of you. Yes. Which is always fun. And as we mentioned, this uh, new Tasmania expansion, it is a smaller map. So one of the things that people have found very positive about uh, this map expansion is that, as you said, the first third of the other game, it's still enjoyable. You're still playing an interesting game of resource management and whatever else, but before the Cthulhu stuff kicks in. Whereas this Tasmania one, it's so tight that you're into the action, bam, straight Mm. away. There's no mucking around. There's no, you know... There's no skin on this whatsoever. You're straight into the action. And the thing about the Tasmania board that comes with it is that there's one board that's like the normal uh, board, like the Australia one, which is grand. Or what you can do is you can turn it over and there's a complete blank map of Tassie, if if you know what I mean, (laughs) which some of our listeners might. Uh, What you can do is there's a bunch of tiles that come with the game and you can place them however you please. So you can basically build your own map of tasmania to play different versions of this game and that comes in handy when you're playing the solo campaign Mm. which comes with tasmania because this is one of those games that people are very very fond of playing a solo mode of it unfortunately and tell us if you've heard this one before we have not done that (laughs) not really our thing but it is out there and people are very big fans of it. Yeah, look, I
1: mean, we love double-sided board technology at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is great that you can just flip it over and really just vary, you know, the the way that Tasmania itself is, is played out. Because you've got sort of three terrain types and each of those tiles that you, you have, you just flip them over and make a randomised map. It just really does alter potentially the way that you're going to play the game so i think it's good i don't know whether the person who designed the board has actually seen tasmania because it really doesn't look too much like it except it kind of has a bit of a triangular shape <laughs> right.
0: but give them a, a bit of leniency because it's our home what well, it had it had some mountains in the middle it had the sea around the edge it had some farmy bits and it had some cthulhu bits hey what do you need and as you said leon Even in this map, you sort of think, well, if I start way down here on the southwest coast at Macquarie Harbour, and then you start at at Wynyard or St. Helens or somewhere on the opposite end, it takes no time at all for you to start interacting not only with each other, but also with the Cthulhu player, because it is tight. It really makes you work. And that was one of the things we found was I almost, as the ancient older one, and you're, I was you're actually also playing, playing a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, you know, at times I wanted to sort of pull back and build up a bit before I came back in and started decimating you. But there's just not a lot of space to pull back. You sort of really got to think, well, yeah, I'm going to conjure up some beasts and demons and people with tentacles on their hats. But there's just not a lot of room for me to to do that and get ready before I go into battle because everything is so tight. But... At the same time, you don't have the luxury as non-Cthulus to build up your armies before you sort of march into the interior like you did on the old Australia map, where often you were a long way from the action and you sort of had to go looking for trouble. With this, trouble comes looking for you pretty quickly. sure
2: does. And also in the new expansion as well, there are outposts, which is a new thing that mm. the, the hero players can add to it as well. Also, well done, Mark. Shout out to Wynyard there. Some fine fine looking ladies come from that place let me tell you that is that's where that's where my wife is from everybody it is another part of Tasmania that takes a long time to get to believe me but we need is, a train line that's yeah. why yes I know wouldn't it be nice if they actually still use it for things but anyhow so yeah so we played this the other night um, the three of us and it was really really enjoyable remind us how much we enjoyed Australia the first time that we played it that is that is my big
1: takeaway from the, the, the playing the, the Tasmania game, is that I really do like Australia. And it had been ages mm, since so long. we've actually played Australia itself. It is such a different type of game. There's not many games, like you're saying. You know, There's no Cthulhu game like it. There's no real Martin Wallace game like it. There's no train game like yeah. it, where you're building train tracks, knowing full well that these are probably going to get destroyed. Uh, And destroyed pretty soon unless you've built up some military to go with it or you've got some farms and all these other stuff that are going to potentially draw the attention of the old ones. So it, it is a really cracking game, Australia, and I think Tasmania offers a lot of little extra bits, especially when you add in the revenge of the old ones to just open it up to some new players.
2: Mm. Yeah, It's also worth mentioning when um, the Dice Tower did a top 10 with South Park creator Trey Parker um, the other month that Australia was in his top 10 mm. of games that he liked so much. And I can understand why, because when we played it, we probably hadn't played the base game at this point probably in about two years. When we first um, played it and got it, we played it the heck out of it for yeah. a few weeks there before we reviewed it. Um, we had, probably hadn't played it in about two years, but as soon as I saw that player board in front of me and saw the time and uh, how much things cost, and I was like, that's right. It just literally straight away all come back into me. And there are many other games that I've played, you know, probably more recently than that, where you could put it down in front of me and I'd go, how the hell does all this work again? Yeah. So it just it just makes sense. And I guess that comes down to the fact that Martin
0: Wallace, you know, he kind of knows what he's doing. Look, I've got, I've got two things that I can't get out of my mind. Ever since we started talking about this game firstly is i've got a new theme for martin wallace 18 triple x yep as an 18xx game and since leon been talking about the event deck I kept thinking, all those really dry Euros that could just benefit from a vent deck. So imagine El Grande, and then you flip a card, and it's like a massive tidal wave sweeps over the western half of Spain and wipes out 50% of the people there. Like, how it just throws everything to the wind. And, yeah, we know not everyone loves that sort of game. But, hey, it does shake things up.
1: Yeah. And, look, I I think... And I can see why it was in Trey Parker's top 10, because it does tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, as as non-Cthulhu players, you are starting on your little outpost, and you're basically just going, okay, well, I've got a little bit of stuff, but I've got to expand to try and get more stuff, and that means I need to go on mine to get resources, I've got to get some farms, or I've got to do whatever. But, oh, my God! corner here's a giant temple and oh now there's a shogoth, or now there's a zombie or now there's a this or a cultist or whatever and all of them are converging to try and kill me Mm. i better get some military i better get an armored car i better get this or i better get that it it just does create this really tense pull and push of i need to expand yeah but now i need to retract and consolidate and back and forth until you hopefully win
2: it is one of those things that the system is all set up and with this new expansion it just shows me like a lot of things you just add give us a new map with a few extra bibs and bobs you can easily add various different other places in australia yeah. or even new zealand into this kind <gasps> of system of game or well, Papua new guinea very close to where we live as well and New Zealand po- does yeah. sound good, doesn't it and that being said if they ever do a second edition of this game which wouldn't be surprised me if they were considering doing it because i think they'd probably do quite well for themselves because this when this game came out on kickstarter it did well but now after a few years of good word being out there, I think it would do pretty good. And if it does do that, this Tasmania um, expansion and the um, the Revenge of the Old Ones, I wouldn't be surprised if they almost get scrapped and just become a part of yeah, Australia. Okay. It's just, here's uh, another map for you, and the Revenge of the Old Ones is you can play this system as well because they kind of must-have expansions for this game. Well,
1: the Revenge of the Old Ones is basically a deck of cards and a few little chits. That's yeah. kind of it. Yeah. It, it. It is quite a small um, module to add on. Yeah, yeah, I've got it.
0: Uh, I tell you, Roa. Oh, God. <laughs> and on that, on that note, we'll throw to a song. Back soon with the Dice Men Cometh here on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM.
2: G'day, my name's David. I'm from Grail Games. And when I want to listen to an Aussie podcast, I listen to the Dice Men Cometh, mate. Well, there you go. That was Midnight Oil with First Nation on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Dice Men Cometh and there you go, Marcus. As an old band, but with a new song. They there had a, you go. a young fella there doing a bit of the bit of the bit of the old rap. <laughs> that all these kids they're into these days
0: aren't you supposed to be the young one Leon
2: 35 years old Mark I am absolutely not I am very much over said hill that it cost me three times to build a bloody railway
0: <laughs> well it's funny Leon you should say about the olden times yes because I want to take you back <laughs> it's the roaring 20s and there's a fortune to be made steaming across the wild oceans to succeed you'll need a captain steady nerve and the help of lady luck to land your cargo where it's needed you'll have ships full of passengers and precious cargo but can you outrun pirate robbers terrifying storms and a stock market crash that might devalue your goods there you go uh, of course i'm talking about manifest who's it from shill mill games of course and this game not designed by Martin Wallace, it's designed by Amanda Milne and Julia Schiller, hence the Schill and the Mill in Schill Mill. There you go. Now, this game was originally released, can you believe it, in 2014 in a uh, little thing called Kickstarter and but what we've got here is an updated 2022 version with a few little wrinkles Um, the art itself is by Amanda Milne and a gentleman called Franz Vowinkle two to five players can play this it recommends 13 and up I'm not so sure about that in an hour or so perhaps so let me tell you a few things about this game and then I'm gonna ask you gentlemen for your thoughts of course because this is a pick up and deliver game, where you are required to deliver goods and immigrants all around the world. Now, you'll have some private contracts to do that, where you've got to take one or more things from where they're made to someplace that wants to buy them. Things like sugar, things like tea, things like motorbikes. (laughs) Um, There's also some public contracts that everyone can see that obviously the first person to fulfill will be able to achieve that, and then a new one will come out. each player has two ships that can store up to four cargo cubes. Now, cargo could be your four mentioned tea, rice, sugar, motorcycles. motorcycles, or it can also be immigrants. So you've got your British immigrants coming from Britain. In fact, I think in this case they're, they're English because then you've also got Irish. Irish. Mm-hmm. You've also got Italian immigrants. I think that's all the immigrants there's a few immigrants in this but they are also represented by cubes and so when you arrive at a port of course you can uh, when you arrive at a port where things are produced so it could be for example london in the case of english immigrants Producing or immigrants, yes. somewhere like say new delhi for tea as two strange examples that I've just plucked out of my head. You can basically, you can load up your ship with those things as as much as you like, in fact. So you could take one, two, three, or four cubes and fill up your whole ship with that particular thing. And then when you move along and travel to the port that wants to unload them, you can unload them and you get points from the contract. Now, the end game condition is, you play to a number of points. You can actually play a shorter game or a longer game, depending on what you feel like. Now, I mentioned you have to move. Funny that about ships on the sea. So you'll have a hand of cards. The ships move or the ship's sail mark being a navy person? They steam. Ho, 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 ho. These particular ships steam.
1: Okay. They, they don't sail. Te-
2: they're still technically move. I think the definition of move is things moving. Yes. Isn't
0: marching movement as well? <laughs> But it's definitely not no Let's not go Maybe down for another part. podcast. That's why Garth, people are listening, for the hard... Hitting, he <laughs> leaves <laughs> the military stuff to me. Dictionary.com so, cannot answer, but I, we can. As I started to say, you'll have a hand of cards, and like a lot of great games these days, you will have multi-use cards. So the cards have movement points, because you want to steam <laughs> as you sail around, but the cards also can be used for money or they all have special abilities. Now, the map of the world has routes with distance points. So, as you go from point A to point B, there might be seven little s- stops you've got to go along the way. Well, not necessarily stops, but it's divided up into distance points. So, that one might be four, and the next one might be five, and the next one might be three. So, obviously, you use the cards to travel the distance. But it's the ocean. So, of course, there are pirates. Of course, everyone knows. Whenever there's an ocean, there's pirates. Or in fact, in this world, which looks remarkably similar to our world, there are pirates in the Caribbean, there are pirates in the Red Sea, and pirates in the South China Sea. It's where all the good pirates go. Now, whenever you travel, steam or sail, through a pirate route, you must roll a pair of dice. We love dice. And if you roll, so the dice have one, two, three, four, a pirate symbol and a life ring if you roll double pirate symbols well guess what your ship sinks you lose everything
2: yeah i was going to say uh yes we like dice uh, normally <laughs> i very
0: much did not like the dice in this game as they very much did not like me oh uh, let's come back to that later. and then yeah. for any other number if you roll one two three or four well did i mention you had two ships each player has two ships and you have a little ship mat that shows the four cargo spots on each ship, aren't they cargo holds, or is the whole thing a cargo hold? Well, it doesn't really hold anything because they just sit on top of it. Okay, fine. But we could talk. We could talk nautical terminology another <laughs> time, guy. We are being a tad pedantic <laughs> tonight, <any> <laughs> Um So you have the 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 spaces one two three or four for each ship, and so whatever number you roll on the die you lose that cargo and this is one of the tensions in this game is well i could go to sri lanka and load up tea for example i might just load one because i want to take that to boston cuz hey they might want to throw a party but the trend the trouble is if it, if i lose that tea over the side on the way i'm going to have to turn around and go back and get some more or use my other ship to go and get some so then maybe you think well maybe i'll load up two tea or three tea but then of course you haven't got any spaces for the British immigrants who like to drink tea or perhaps the Italian immigrants who are gonna go in the opposite direction so you can try and drop off two things at once. There's a little bit of tension there. Anyway, you can lose those goods. Now, this game, it's funny, just like we mentioned earlier with Australia, this game has a couple of different versions. So you've got the standard version, which is sort of targeted beginners, where you use a deck of action cards and you're all drawing from that deck, or, you have the advanced version which includes personal decks and then deck building oh, hey so you can personalize your deck and then obviously the deck contains the cards that you are playing to spend money move your ship and do those special abilities there's also a couple of little variants including some isometric player powers even a pirate ship so Look, here's my summary, and then I'm gonna ask you for your thoughts. So this, I feel like this is a neat little, simple pick up and deliver game, but it has that randomness thrown in there of the pirate routes. The likelihood of delivering, of losing your cargo, as I said, means you've gotta think about how you're gonna go about these things. And did I mention these cards that have special abilities? Well, quite a few of them you don't use on yourself you use on the other players (laughs) it has quite a strong take that element now of course we love a good take of that game um we definitely like to play the more how do we put it on edge radio the more bastardy version i think we can get away with saying that um but not everyone does of course so i can see you both sitting there just champing at the bit wanting to tell me your thoughts about this game so chaps well i'll go first yeah go nuts
1: so, look, I, I guess we, we played this a couple of times mm. and, you know, some of us won more often than others, <laughs> and that's totally fair enough. Yes. Um, and, and this game is, for me, completely fine. It is not going to be sailing the high seas on the top of a game uh, gaming table, mm-hmm. um, but it's also not going to just be thrown away. The main thing is, though, I don't know who the game's for. Yep. And that's my concern is that this game, you know, you're selling the 1920s mark, sailing on the high seas, avoiding the pirates, and all of that malarkey. But is the person who's interested in that theme interested in the mechanics of the game and then also interested in the randomness of having a couple of dice throw your whole plan out? Yeah. Because it is hard to potentially get your ship from picking up the couple of things that you need to get it to delivered in the time to get the contract completed anyway, let alone potentially taking the slightly quicker routes, which are how the pirate ones work. You, yeah. you want to take them because they're quicker, but they have that inherent risk. While also opening yourself up to challenges, because if your ship doesn't end its turn in a port or or next to land, then there's a very strong chance one of the other players is going to play one of their action cards, which says, ha, 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 you lost at sea, and roll roll a pirate die, or pirate attack and roll some pirate die. So getting your goods is is fine. That's easy enough to do. Dropping them off is easy. It's the, the bit in the middle, which is tricky. However, there's already plenty of games that do this kind of thing. Now, were there as many games as in 2014 when it first came out? Not as many, but there were still some pretty big games that do this kind of thing. And I just don't know what this game would have to offer if I was in a game shop and I was comparing this with a few other different games that fit that same genre and that time limit
2: uh yeah pretty much that's kind of my thoughts as well i think as you said before mark how it said 13 and up and you think well there's nothing too really bad about this but i think that's there for a good reason It's mm-hmm. because you said about the take that being a bit bastardy it is very much that and we've talked before about games that it's a bit annoying some games that you always feel like on your turn you can't quite do enough and that's a frustrating thing to do you put that on the f- top of the fact that you will get screwed over by another one of the players during your turn. Nearly a guarantee, yeah. let alone the fact that you've got to draw a decent... Even though those cards have lots of different options, you can still draw a stinker of a deck, and you've still got to roll that dice if you go near Pirate Waters. So you've got to deal with the fact that something bad is most likely going to happen to you on a turn where you probably, even if everything went well for you, might not have been able to do everything you wanted to do. So it's it's kind of an exercise in frustration for that. And saying I don't know who it's for is the very much the best way to to kind of put it really that it's it is fine but it's i mean i don't really know what more to say about it to be perfectly
0: honest yeah no look, i think i think you, know, you both have some fair enough criticisms because i certainly feel like it's it's you know gateway or gateway 1.1 1. 1. um i feel like it had it has does have a bit going for it because if you think about other Gateway games. There's not a lot of gateway games that do have that take that, unless you go for like a King of Tokyo or something like that. Um, it does have that element, which, as we said, it's not going to suit everyone. It does look really nice, and I think it like would look great on the shelf, that iconic picture of the big ship steaming out of, I'm guessing it's New York, with the 1920s couple sort of looking on. It looks really great. The The cards look nice. The board looks nice. It's really well presented, but I I wonder about um, its longevity. So in terms of, you might play it two or three times and go, oh, this is not bad. But are you gonna are you gonna bring it out? And Garth, I'm not gonna ask your opinion of Ticket to Ride because you've never played it, of course. <clears throat> but you know those gateway games that you're happy to bring out over and over and over and over and over again for people who like that level of game. Is this going to come out over and over again? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing, is that, you know, Shield mill are, are very nice people that are very nice to us, so I don't want to be overly rude, but, you know, we do have our integrity, and they said, no, just tell us what you think. And that is, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is that Ticket to Ride exists, and that is a fact. And this game, I think, you could probably get one or two interesting expansions for Ticket to Ride out of mm-hmm. some of the mechanics of this game. I think that's where it probably would have come about being good, but as it is, sits by itself... It's one of those things that I just didn't, yeah, all those different factors together just kind of like, it'd be a bit different if it was like, okay, I like this mechanic, I like this mechanic, maybe, but it was kind of like all these different mechanics, there's just, they all kind of lead to various frustration Mm. when all put together. So yeah, it's a bit of a miss for me, I'm afraid. I
0: I think it could also be sped up a bit because one of the things I look at often is, you know, I'm, let's say I'm in London and I'm looking, I'm going to go to California to drop off some English immigrants and pick up some motorcycles. And I started counting about with the movement points. And I was sort of like, I need 19 movement points. And I'm looking at these cards in my hand and they've got two, three, four. And it's like, it's going to take me like three turns. And all I'm really doing is moving from one space to another space. And as you said, Garth earlier, the chances of one of you bastards playing a card that's going to screw me over while i'm trying to take three turns to move there they could have halved the movement points and made it a much snappier game i think
2: yeah because as we said before unless you're playing the deck building variant which you know is a variant the normal way to play this game is just a giant deck of cards that you draw from and yeah when we first the first game we played of this my first three or four turns pirates did get me the first couple of times, which is, I understand, I could have gone around them. I understand that. I had some very bad rolls that literally hit me exactly yeah. where they needed to. But in terms of that deck, the first three or four hands I got, um, movement-wise, I had next to nothing on some of them. I saw one of you guys take a movement that was like 12 or 16. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had that in two or three hands worth. And that kind of, again, that kind of luck, on top of the other frustrations, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And look... I'm we love double-sided board technology. This has a
1: double-sided board. Oh, yes. I forgot about the that. The only difference on the double side is that on the, on the main side, you've got sort of, I guess, the more traditional face-down view of a map uh, in that Australia and New Zealand are in the bottom right-hand corner. That's kind of where where we sit yep. on, on the global <laughs> scale right. for
0: maps. Yes.
1: The only difference in that is that you flip it over and Australia and New Zealand are still on the bottom, but they're in the middle. Yeah. So you've sort of got this more centralised uh, focus on, obviously, New Zealand where the game is, is made, but you know, Australia New Zealand. The problem is all of the contract cards yeah. have a map on them, mm-hmm. and that is the other side of the board. So it, it doesn't help in any gameplay sense to have that double-sided board that could have been an opportunity to to do something like make a tighter map yeah make it or just just make um a different um
2: transit points at
1: you know numbers so that you could you could potentially fulfill contracts in a different exactly,
2: way exactly a map that literally had half the amount of movement points yeah. on the entire thing and go this is the you know 60 minute map. map the yeah. other one is the more advanced mm-hmm. extra points map that would have made perfect sense
0: anyway there you go shield mill you can have that one for free that was <laughs> that was manifest but hey we've still got one more shield mill game to talk about when we come back you're with the diceman cometh on edge radio 99.3 fm <laughs>
1: This is ours, James. You're listening to The Dice Man Cometh, the only thing you should be listening to.
0: We are The Dice Man Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. That was spoon with wild here on a Thursday evening where it's trending, tending to be a little bit wild outside as it's getting stormy and crazy. I hope you're all snuggled up in your doonery blankets and your oodies and your cars if you're driving to work and it's all nice and warm. And you're listening to us talk about a few shill mill games. Now, Garth. Mm. we have a third shoe meal game we do and all of that lovely warmth
1: and sort of caringness and relaxation and mm. part of your intro mark well i hate to break it to you yeah but the world's in chaos <gasps> oh god not again an asteroid plunges towards the south pacific and we have a mission guys oh. prevent the extinction of australasian animals expect treachery as you fight both sorry fight tooth and claw to create the space and habitat they need to survive. Entire species depend on you. Oh my goodness. So you must be ruthless. Are
2: we not worried about the humans that also probably live in this area as well?
1: No, No? because ask yourself, are you tough enough? Are you the kind of zoologist (laughs) who is bound for victory or destined to extinction. <laughs> and doesn't care about humans at all. Well, no, otherwise you'd be a humanologist, not a zoologist, Leon. Very fair. I do apologise. Only Komodo knows. Mm. And that is the theme of Komodo. Of which this is kid's game. <laughs> of a kid's game An asteroid is plunging to Earth. Now, this game was released in 2012 by Shill Mill, designed by the Shill and the Mill, Amanda Milne and Julia Schiller. And this game actually... One, the NZGA, the Mm. New Zealand Gaming Association, let's say, new game of the year winner, and also in the same year, the Children's Choice Award winner. Wow. Lovely. So it is a multiple award-winning game, which is fantastic. Excellent. Now, in this game, you're going to be competing. And you're all going to be playing rival zoologists who want to try and make sure that your various animals are kept alive so you've got to assemble your terrain needed to house your animals you're going to be using and building one collective landmass Ooh. where you're going to be storing your, your particular animals there's land masses there's water there's rainforest there's grassland and there's desert now you're all going to be doing a bit of tile placement, you know, so you've got the tiles that are little square and they've usually got a sort of a three by three grid of terrain on them. They'll they'll have a couple of different types of terrain on them. And you'll be placing those on your turn as one of your potential three actions that you're going to be doing because you want to create bits of terrain that are large enough to house some of the animals. Now, there are 32 different animal cards that you can have um, and they all have a card as well as a little marker standee that you're then going to be placing onto the right bit of terrain little
0: miniature expansion
1: coming up oh, i know so each of the animals has a prerequisite around the type of terrain that it needs to live in mm-hmm. and the minimum size that it needs to live in as well so you need to make sure that there's enough terrain there to be able to fit your thorny devil or your um, monkey or your sea lion or whatever the case may be. They're not the worst nicknames we've ever had, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've also got to make sure that you're getting there first. So what you're going to be doing is choosing to do one of three actions. The first action that you can do is house animals, which is basically playing up to three terrain tiles. Now you've got to sort of combine them so that they form a perfect grid and you've got to line up the same terrain type along the way to make sure that you're making these big blobs of, of terrains. Um, or you can rehouse and house actual animals, so that's where you go. Okay, well I've got this animal card. I'm going to play it. It says I need to have a size fifteen grassland, which I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this animal. I'm going to take it and house it, and I place the standee on that particular terrain on that board. There you go. Animals can't share necessarily the same type of terrain. So just because I've placed something that needs a minimum size of 15 in a 20 space doesn't necessarily mean that there's another five space free to go. So you want to be sort of a bit careful in how Mm -hmm. you're constructing the terrain to make sure that it's going to fit all of the animals that you want, because the more animals you individually house, the more points you get, and that's how you're going to win the game.
0: Now, Garth, you're the resident kids game expert, really, because, well, my kids being adults they're not really into kids games and leon's son being a baby yeah slightly toddler-ish, Yeah. It. so tell us what did your kids think of this one
1: well look it's for, for ages eight and up mm-hmm. again i think that is quite generous you could easily quite quite simply play this with with younger kids yep. and look they liked it because the mechanics of it are really simple so you know, my youngest is 11 now my oldest is is 14 uh, and they found it absolutely easy to grasp after a a very expert, but very brief uh, (laughs) rules explanation. From YouTube. Oh, you. Uh, So we were able to figure it out quite quickly. We were able to play our first game in about an hour, which is exactly what it says. It says 45 minutes to 60. And there's also a couple of little bits of, of take that because there are um, some more specialised cards that allowed you to do certain things. You can steal animals from other players. You can padlock your animals in so that they're safe. Mm. There's other, other card effects that just alter uh, you know, your ability to pick up more tiles, get more cards, do all those various things. So they enjoyed it. It's, it's a really nice, simple game. Now, it is not the best-looking game out there, and, you know, I don't know what the price is, but then I also don't know what three litres of milk costs. So I'd not be a politician. I don't, I think I know the unemployment rate, but no, I couldn't be held accountable to that. Um, Google it, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but look, it's a really simple, fun kids' game. Yeah. It doesn't teach me anything from an edu- educational point of view. So it doesn't tell me that, you know, this particular animal does X and Y and Z and is close to extinction or yeah. whatever however it gets me interested the art is you know photos of what these animals look like okay. uh, and it's completely fun for kids it's yep. a very inoffensive family game okay so i think you know she'll mill deliver on what it says it's going to be which is a light-hearted fun um, game where the family can sit around and play. There is also a cooperative mode, which ah, is always good for yes, a kids game. Yes.
0: Um, so, look, I think this this one is really quite nicely done. Okay, nice. Well, there you have it. That with three Mill games at all parts of the spectrum, really. Now, before we go, gentlemen, mm. we have a tease, a very exciting tease. I'm glad the three of us are sitting down. Yeah because coming up in our next episode in two weeks time we're going to have a competition not just any competition though is it well no it's a
1: competition we probably haven't run for a couple of years Mm. sadly yes but excitingly we're going to be doing it again probably because the competition hasn't had a a thing that we can offer like there hasn't been a a prize that we can offer for a couple of years because something hasn't been on for the last couple of years because of reasons that have prevented gamers
0: from meeting in certain places on a on a certain location. So so you perhaps saying <clears throat> excuse me that we may have some tickets to a certain convention on the border that we may be giving away two tickets to the hottest board gaming convention in Australia. At this time. Is that what you're saying, Garth? I would only say
1: (laughs) it's a good idea to keep the Queen's birthday long weekend
2: free if you are not otherwise booked. If you're a lucky person and a bit of a winner.
0: Yeah. Which, of course, all three of us
2: (laughs) are. I can't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) Ridiculous.
0: Well, and we haven't even mentioned that at that potentially convention on the border, of course... The three of us gonna be there. Oh really. yeah. Mate. So not only do you win a chance to go to that most amazing convention, but you also win a chance to come and play a game with us. But we're gonna tell you all about that next time because this is the end of episode three hundred and twenty eight for now. Mark Garth and Leon signing off for another two weeks, but we'll be back with that exciting news and so much more next time. But in the meantime, have a great fortnight, play lots of games, be kind to each other, stay out of the wet, and most of all, have fun. Bye bye. Don't you wanna
2: be personality
0: You've been listening to another episode of the Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out LFG-Oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at DiceBenCometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.